0: person coming in from China. It's going to disappear one day. It's like a miracle. It will We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic.
2: The Betches SUP Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hello and welcome to the SUP Daily Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman.
3: I'm Sammy Fishbine. I'm Brian Russell-Smith.
2: Let's get into it. Let's just get into it. Today is June 1st. We're halfway through 2020. Feeling some type of way about it. <laughs> it's been bad. It's been bad. It's been a rough year. Uh, obviously, I think you guys know what we're going to talk about. I'll just jump in. As I said, today is June 1st. Last night was the sixth night of protest in cities across the country as protesters took to the streets to demand justice for George Floyd. But these protests are obviously happening in the backdrop of a pandemic that has disproportionately killed Black people, disproportionately sickened Black people, disproportionately affected Black people in every way. There are 40 million Americans out of work. This also happened just weeks after the Nation watched Two other two civilians murdered other Black people, including Ahmaud Arbery, who was murdered in cold blood with no consequences, it seemed, until a video launched a public outcry. And Breonna Taylor, the Kentucky woman who was shot eight times in her home by police officers who didn't even knock. And they were in the wrong home. Yes, yes. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: There's no detail in that story that's not horrifying. So obviously these protests are not just about George Floyd, even though obviously we want everybody who was responsible for his murder uh, to be charged with that crime, and maybe that will happen, and that's sort of the, the biggest theme. But, yeah, there's a lot of anger and despair.
3: Yeah, totally. It just seems like it's, you know there's there's a a culminations of things have led us to this point where it's just you know a lot of people have really reached a point where they've said enough is enough and it seems to really have have spilled over
0: yeah and just before we before we continue talking any further and amanda we really want to hear you share your experience at the at the protests um We do want to acknowledge, um, the white elephant in the room, which is that you are listening to three white people of substantial privilege, um, bring you this podcast today and have this conversation. And we just want to acknowledge that because we understand that there are so many voices out there and so many opinions, and we hardly believe that ours is the most important or the most enlightening. Um, we are here to talk about it, um, but not to be in any word, the final say or the loudest voice in the room. Um, but at the same time, we, the three of us and, you know, the sub team and, and the staff at Betches, um, we are committed to, to being allies and to listening and to upholding black voices and black opinions and really just standing behind the people Who are suffering the most right now. Um, And we are committed to doing whatever we can um, and learning if we ever, you know, if we do something wrong, we are committed to that. And we just want you to know that um, before you, you know, go, before we go into our, um, you know, more opinionated discussion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're like very aware of this platform and, exploring the best ways that we can use it by bringing in additional voices and also I think being willing to get uncomfortable ourselves, which I think we'll probably be doing a lot more as we really, really dive into this topic in, you know, from every single angle. Um, I know from my experience yesterday, so peaceful protests did sort of seem to turn violent. That's what we've been seeing, especially after dark, countless videos across the internet show police escalating tensions, um, usually shooting passive protesters with rubber bullets or firing tear gas. Um, something I found interesting is that a lot of times when these clips come out, there's a lot of talk, especially from the All Lives Matter crowd and people that don't want to honor the fact that this happens, that, okay, well, can you see what happened before? Can you see what happened after? And usually there is no instigating incident, but just for the sake of journalism, like usually you do have to find those in order to sort of have this as an example. And the thing about this weekend is that all of those exist. You have the full scenes. It's very clear what's happening. Police didn't even rein it in around media, members of the media recorded themselves instantly saying, you can see there was no provocation, nothing happened. There was obviously moments of solidarity. Like we recognize that it's hard to be a police officer and you put your life on the line uh, when you choose that profession. And of course, there are great police officers and there are great police officers that exhibited a lot of solidarity yesterday. And we obviously see both of those things, but it's very clear what these protesters are fighting against because as they are out there peacefully demanding justice, they're being attacked. And this is the very thing mm-hmm. we're protesting against. It seems like an easy way to not escalate tensions with police is maybe not to send like four officers for every one person to certain areas. When I was there last night, it was completely peaceful. There weren't a lot of, law enforcement, they seem to be there to escort us. And again, I'm not trying to be an apologist. I'm just describing like what I saw where I was last night. Obviously, everybody else saw different things on TV later. Um, but like I said, the, the prevalence of like the, the concentration of law enforcement that was with the protest I was in that was very peaceful and very large was much lower than when you see those escalated tensions at night. Um, it was easy not to notice you were that they were there if you didn't want to, which is their role in a peaceful protest. Um, there were any moments of tension usually could have been sorted out among the protesters like there was an instance when somebody in a building nearby threw an empty bottle on protesters and the protesters surrounded each other to make sure that everybody was okay and that that situation didn't escalate and then instantly there were officers who were sort of getting on their backs uh, presuming that things were going to go in a certain direction when it clearly wasn't like somebody's throwing something out of a building at your head. That's, I believe, what police said that they were reacting to when they drove an SUV through a crowd of protesters in Brooklyn.
0: Hmm. Well, it's 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 complicated. Yeah. Obviously, not you know you had a you had an experience where there were fewer cops and it was more peaceful. It was also during the day. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's social media enables us to see everything, and for every peaceful video, there's also a brutal video of there is a journalist who got shot in the eye with a rubber bullet. And now she is permanently blind in that eye. Mm -hmm. Um, There are, you, I watched a video of a, she was, I guess she was a white girl, literally blocking a black protester and the police clobbered her so that they could grab the black person that who she was guarding. And in a lot of these situations, because white people are not prone to police brutality in the same way that black people are, the function of a white body at a protest like this is literally to act as a shield for the black protesters. Mm -hmm. And I just think that there's like a little bit of common sense that's warranted when people come after the protesters and call them the looters and like all this stuff is that it's not like everyone is the same. So yes, there are lots of peaceful black protesters. There's peaceful white protesters. There's also white people who are doing the looting with the intention of blaming it on the on the protesters. There's. I'm sure there are black people. There are black people who are looting too. Just because people are. This is opportunistic looting. The fact that like people are taking the opportunity to, you know, create mayhem. They don't care what impression they're causing about the protests. They don't care how much they're like hurting the cause. They only care about getting their like Chanel bag. But at the same time, yeah. I'm like, common sense shows you, look at what the cops have. They literally have like military grade equipment. And what do the protesters have? Like a fucking bandana and like a pen. Like what do the like look at who look at how outmatched the protesters are just like in terms of their supplies.
3: Yeah. And it's also, you know, police officers to begin with are already a triggering thing for a lot of people. A lot of people don't view a police officer and see them like just from because of the way that they've been they've lived their lives. They don't see they don't feel safe. And, you know, they feel the opposite of safe, which is, you know, more importantly in your like police officers are supposed to make you feel safe. Um, so seeing the, you know, militaristic, you know, like way that they are p- presenting themselves even now is even just fr- more frightening. And I don't think even helpful, especially when th- when people are trying to be peacefully protesting. Um, they should, like Amanda said, be like, perhaps they need to be there, but perhaps they just need to be on the sidelines to make, to keep people safe. And, you know, it doesn't seem like that is really happening. And, you know, like there's been this whole conversation around, Pride the past few years, how because there is such a heightened police presence there lately, like there have been like other protests happening without police because you a lot of people just can't feel comfortable in the presence of a police officer. Yeah, and to say nothing
2: they, about like when I'm a white girl, when I cover most of my face, I don't worry about it. But when you have police officers, like we know that police officers believe that black Bodies are more dangerous. They have that bias. Mm -hmm. And police officers and all people use facial expressions to determine a threat. Like, I think that's like a human thing. And when we're in a pandemic and people have to cover their faces for their safety, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. The black men that I were marching with were terrified to have a bandana over their face because that's perceived as like a huge danger. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like walking along with this, like, my cute tie dye mask like there's no i think one one thing i read speaking to what you were saying brian yesterday um a woman named josie duffy rice tweeted it is she said you know imagine a world without police it's actually when you think about it not very hard for white upper class people to imagine because i know when i was growing up there weren't police around they weren't Mm -hmm. just like traipsing around the community looking to enforce the law in random places like that's not hard to imagine. And it's just there's a different world. Like before you criticize what people are protesting. I mean, they're just you can't even conceive the world that they are rejecting because we've never even had the slightest peek
0: at it. Well, I think for for white people, their biggest fear when it comes to police is literally a speeding ticket. Whereas when it comes to black people, their fear is for their lives, their children's lives, their families. Mm -hmm. It's just not comparable. Um, And I think that you also see this sort of like misplaced concern, Susan Collins, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to like this looting situation. And no one's like, oh yeah, looting is great. Like I don't support the idea of looting, but at the same time, like think about where you choose to put your criticism of the situation. Are you criticizing the, the destruction of like a storefront? Because there are human beings who have been dying for centuries and you're worried about like the glass window of the store. Like, yeah, that is probably covered by insurance because I think you have to have insurance legally. Well,
3: Chanel and Arby's are going to be okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, And also
0: if they're not okay, like, okay. Like, Yeah. <sighs> Right. Corporate America loots us all by not paying taxes. Chanel was a Nazi sympathizer. Mm. I don't really, like, if Chanel goes away, like, okay. (laughs) We're not going to lose a huge cultural utility.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a man lost his life last night in Kentucky. There was a shooting that, there's not a lot of information now, but it's believed that there was a crowd that was protesting late at night, and uh, the National Guard and local police were dispatched to break it up. And something happened where I believe it was a law enforcement weapon was fired and somebody's dead. So I don't really care that somebody took a Chanel bag out of the front door of fucking Soho. I'm fine with it. It's not what yeah. I'm thinking about today.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the, it's like that, like the unsavory destruction yeah. is like what upsets most people. It's like, ooh, I don't like that. It's like scary. It's like, okay, well, if you're black and you get pulled over by a cop, you're scared that you're going to die. You're not scared of like, oh, I don't like that there's like anger happening. Like, what? Think about like what you're rejecting when you're rejecting the looting Mm -hmm. and, you know? Yeah, totally. I just think it's very clear who values human life above all.
2: Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L That's newly with two Us and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's nuul Newly with two Us with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes.
3: so amidst all these protests there were also some few moments of solidarity and healing uh the houston police chief marched with protesters added a michigan sheriff um in minneapolis peaceful protesters defied the curfew and held a long night vigil at the cup foods where george floyd uh died also last night minneapolis police chief Madaria Aradondo said he felt all four officers were involved in the death were complicit. So we actually have a clip of that that we're going to play.
1: There are things that you cannot control, but they want to know if the other officers should be arrested in your mind, and if you see that they should all four be convicted in this case.
0: And this is the Floyd family right now? This is the Floyd family. To, to the Floyd family, um, being silent or not intervening to me you're complicit. So I don't see a level of distinction any different. Um, So uh, obviously the charging and those decisions will have to come through our county attorney's office. Certainly the FBI is investigating that. But to the Floyd family, I want you to know that my decision to fire all four officers was not based on some sort of
1: hierarchy. Mr. Floyd died in our hands. And so I, I, I see that as being complicit so that that is about as much as and I apologize
0: to the Floyd family if I uh, am not more clear but um, uh, I don't see a difference in in terms of uh, the ultimate outcome is he is not here with us
3: I thought that was great um you know just and also if you watch it you can see uh, you see the uh, the police chief and the Floyd family side by side but like virtually they're both on the screen. Um, yeah, I'm
2: going to put it on the feed today so it'll be there for you guys.
3: Yeah. And so this interview took place on CNN and as an, an, as an anchor interviewed George Floyd's brother while a reporter relayed questions to the police chief. Um, and it was the first time that the police had spoke directly to Floyd's family. Um, no, I want- it, Sorry, go ahead. Sorry.
0: I was just going to say, um, or take out where I said I was just going to say, Um, should we discuss the fact that, um, just going back to what you were saying about cops earlier about how not everyone has a positive experience with cops and people are afraid of them about the very high rates of domestic violence amongst police. And in case anyone has like a family member who is a, who is a police, you know, in the police force, this, we don't really want to take this personally. We're speaking about like aggregate data, but the example, the reason that this is relevant to now is that. While while um, Derek Chauvin, the the police officer who held his knee on George Floyd and killed him, while he was in custody, his wife divorced him, and or filed for divorce at that that moment. So, and this is a man who has had, I believe, eighteen past yeah. um, you know issues with you know discipline with discipline as a as a police officer. So I feel like this, this idea that like, Oh, we need to like glorify the cops and like always like trust them. Like they're just people too. And Mm -hmm. is there maybe like a certain personality type that is drawn to being a cop? Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence that, that his wife took the one night where he was gone to file for divorce.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, this man had 18 complaints against him for violent behavior
3: it's it's in it, it, there needs to be a like like there the, the protesters are it's it's uh, protesting syste- systemic problems and it, it, there is a systemic problem among the police force where you know we say like chris rock has this quote about like a few bad apples a few bad apples like there was, like there's some good apples it's like obviously yes there are good and bad people but cops need to be held to the same standards of anyone who has a job you know and he talks of, because he, he basically compares it to pilots. It's like, oh, we have some good Apple pilots who always land. But then, you know, those are bad Apple pilots who just don't land the plane. And you're like, what? Yeah. Like, it, it, there needs to be a stand. Right. There need to be held to a, the higher standard of everyone never, else in society. And
2: people, and especially people never fail to say that. that the end of that idiom is spoils the whole barrel. Yeah. Like nobody's just like, it's a few bad apples. No big deal. No, the bad apples are the problem anyway
3: and That's, they're the exactly. ones that exactly and like so what are you talking about those th- there were three other officers watching this happen and you know i feel like the police chief even like he is an african american man and you know so he is able to speak on it and speak to this community in a way that but of course it takes like it's frustrating that it has to come from someone who also has this experience you know yeah, what I as, mean yeah.
2: as much as like Derek Chauvin is clearly a psychopath or a sociopath and had no problem like just snuffing out this man's life there was the problem what's almost not more concerning but equally concerning is that the three or four cops that watched him do it and that stood by if for every blatant shameless murderer there are three people that will let it happen well that's
0: that's much more than one murder that's Nazi Germany yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but Brian, what you're saying about like how about how if they were pilots, Delta wouldn't hire them because they'd be afraid of getting sued. So mm-hmm. why is it that why is it that we, the American taxpayer, are expected to employ these people? Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. maybe maybe one day this week we'll go into the the issue of defunding police departments and the interaction between the amount that police departments the proportion of the budget that is allotted to the police versus what is allotted to schooling and housing in certain communities. Um, because that is, I think, a strong ident- you know, indicator of, of a racist, you know, a hot pop, I don't know what to call it, sorry. Like a, that discrepancy in the budget is is a strong indicator of kind of a corrupt police system.
3: Yeah. Um, so, as we have witnessed over the past several nights after dark, some of the peaceful protesters are overshadowed by vandalism, starting to alluding to what Amanda was saying earlier. Um, and some of the nation's mayors have said publicly there's reason to believe vandalism is being instigated by mainly white people, possibly from out of state. Um, Trump yesterday praised the Minnesota National Guard, who said, who he said, quote, shut down anarchists and Antifa uh, at protests in Minneapolis. The president said he would move to declare Antifa a terrorist organization, um, which is not possible because Antifa isn't really one organization. It's a general collective of far-left and anti-fascist groups. Um, I, 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 I like see this being said and being talked about, like Antifa, far-left groups, and it's kind of scary um, because it's, it, I find it, because I'm like, who is that? Who are you talking about? Are you talking about, they could be, exactly. And it reminds me of like McCarthyism and communism when there's like, they're a communist. And they're like, he's an Antifa. It's like, it, it's kind of frightening. Like if it, it, it's, it's frightening to hear.
0: Well, something I think we should clarify for anyone listening is that Antifa is not real. There's no yeah. thing. Yeah such as Antifa. Antifa means anti-fascist, which at best is an ideology. Um, Yeah. One that I would hope everyone supports. There is no organization. There's no leader of Antifa. There is no place you can donate to Antifa. And just for shits, this morning I went to antifa.com and I highly recommend you all check out this website and let me know if you see anything sketchy about it. But in the meantime, I'm just going to read the copy on it, because there, it's one page. There's no, like, sub, there's no, like, nowhere you can navigate to. Here is, the, here is the copy on Antifa.com. This is all of it. How do I join Antifa? Hashtag justice for George Floyd and hashtag no justice, no peace. Okay. Nothing seems problematic yet. We are mobilizing to help support comrades affected by current crisis against them. Take action to assist comrades with equal opportunities and financial assistance. Protect your rights and continue to fight fascism. We are actively increasing membership and providing opportunity updates online. Is there any anything sketchy in that to you? Uh,
3: yeah. I I'm mean, ran. when someone says it, Antifa, saying something about Antifa is like akin to saying something about the boogeyman. It's just something you say to scare people.
0: But that's also well, terrifying because is it is clearly translated from Russian. Also, if you look at the capitalization, it is a capitalization on Trump's Twitter, like on this website. Like, it's really <laughs> wild. So, well,
2: Germans capitalize nouns,
0: and it looked like it might have been. Uh, not only nouns.
2: Okay, um, that's weird. Yeah. But the terrifying thing to me about Antifa is that if there's no specific action or leading ideology, then you can just arrest anybody and say that they were guilty of being an Antifa or doing some anti-fascist thing that is now considered terrorism.
3: Also being anti-fascist is a good thing. It's it's insane. Like, fascism is bad. So we just want to give like a quick update on where we at with the charges um, in regards to George Floyd. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz announced that former Congressman and attorney general of Minnesota, Keith Ellison, will lead the case into the killing of George Floyd. Uh, Ellison also was uh, well known for running for DNC chair, which he did not get. Um, Ellison told CNN that we are moving as expeditiously, quickly and effectively as we can. I need to protect this prosecution. I'm not going to create a situation where people can say this was a rush to judgment. Um, the officer, Derek Chauvin, who killed Floyd, was charged on Friday with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. And as we heard before from the chief of police, he uh, arrested the three other officers. He said that their silence inaction, and inaction made them complicit in, his, in Floyd's death. And Floyd's family has uh, said that they want to see the three other officers charged and Chauvin to be prosecuted and convicted of murder. Um, Allison said on Friday that he has every expectation that charges will be filed against the officers, all the officers in George Floyd's case. Um, and he went on to say, I just want to let everyone know that we're going to bring to bear all the resources necessary to achieve justice in this case. So pretty, um, he didn't really want to comment too much on it because it is an investigation, you know, but it seems pretty plain that they will be seeking, you know, obviously they're seeking murder charges against the uh, main police officer who killed him, but also looking into charging those other three officers who just stood by.
0: Yeah, I mean, hopefully there is some justice there. Although I saw this really interesting, um, it was a breakdown of, like, terms. Um, I can't remember who posted it, but it was, like, oh, it was um Br- Brittany Packnett. And she posted, like, like justice would be George Floyd alive and well with his family. Accountability is these police officers being, you know, charged and convicted. And then Mm -hmm. the bare minimum is just um, Derek Chauvin being, being charged, but not like suffering the conviction
2: of it, which is generally what happens.
0: Right. right? Which I thought was like a really interesting reframing of the word justice. Because it's true that justice is him just being alive. Yeah. Um, So we want to turn the conversation um, a little bit and say that regardless of how these escalations have turned, um, it is important that we create space for protesters to be angry. um, And sometimes that results in damage. this weekend, Rachel Cargill, a writer and activist who has a huge following and has been really, really influential, um, made a public address on Saturday called "On Revolution, Revolution Now," and she kind of laid out the case um, for what is happening now. And it was really moving and really just smart and thoughtful. Um, she spent a lot of time unpacking the idea of revolution and who is allowed to 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 have one, um, and. How basically, when white people have a revolution, it's heroic. It ends up in in textbooks. You know, the Boston Tea Party. But when black people do it, it is criminal. And a big point that you made is that black people don't want to switch places with white people and become the oppressor. They want to. They they want to be equal. That's really all they're asking. Joy Reid says, "We're just asking you to not kill us. Like, what's so complicated about it?" Mm-hmm. Um, so. She's just. We. I highly recommend um, following her and listening to what she has to say. So we'll play a sample clip and then give her a follow.
2: We have holidays that celebrate the courageous acts of American Revolutionary War heroes. Yet when the word revolution comes out of a black mouth, it is taken in an offense and met with confusion about how we could possibly suggest anything other than to march quietly to protest peacefully. That is what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called negative peace, which is simply the absence of tension versus a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. What is peace when the only people who get to rest in it are those with white skin?
0: It's really, really beautiful. Yeah,
2: I found the positive peace versus negative peace thing really impactful in like framing. I think it's especially as these protests continue, people are gonna start asking, you know, well, they arrested the guy that knelt on his knee, what what do they want now? Well, they arrested the other three officers, what do they want now? Well, look how these things normally turn out. There's not, obviously justice is not even possible in this case because it's so extreme what happened, but simply removing the tension as a result of these arrests does not, it does nothing. It does nothing.
3: yeah. also also go ahead. Sorry, it, it shouldn't have to take mass protests and civil unrest for police officers to be held accountable, you know what I mean? Like, we like so what? Like, yeah, they did this. Do we need to like? Does that need to happen every time? No, it shouldn't have to, you know. Like, it's not like, going to be good enough.
0: It's also just like illusory that there is a that that peace that if they were doing it peacefully, they would get what they want. Because if you remember, Colin Kaepernick dared to take a knee during the national anthem, and that was like not the time either. Even though sports have historically been a primary place for black people to protest civil rights. I just like, it's, it, it's clearly a lie because when they're peaceful, you don't like it when they're not peaceful, you don't like it. So at what point is it like, what, like, what are we waiting for? Right. Right. And what do we want people, if if you're watching people and you
2: don't like how they're behaving, what what would you suggest if kneeling doesn't work,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: if peacefully protesting doesn't work, which that's the majority of what people are doing anyway, We just give up, throw up our hands, throw up their hands and say, fine, keep killing us.
0: It's just a deflection. Yeah, of course. Um, So we wanted to talk about something um, that is not much mentioned in our, you know, syllabuses when we were younger, and that is the Tulsa Race Massacre. The reason we're bringing this up today is both because of the historical parallels and because today is the 99th anniversary since this event. So basically, um, just to give some context, in the early decades of the 20th century, so like the early 1900s, in Tulsa there was a thriving Black community um, of businesses and residents, and it was nicknamed—it was literally nicknamed Black Wall Street because it was, you know, so, you know, prosperous. Um, and there was an event that occurred. Um, the genesis of the event will sound familiar because it was a massacre that was sparked after a 19 year old black man named Dick Roland was accused of assaulting a 17 year old white woman named Sarah Page. As so many of these events often start with, you know, a white woman feeling upset or, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there really was an assault. Um, but the point is that this is what set it off. Um, room, so basically this man was, was arrested. And rumors spread that he had been that he had been lynched, which caused the black community to come to the courthouse armed. And eventually this led to mob violence throughout the city. Um, White rioters ransacked the neighborhood that night and the Oklahoma National Guard was called in and declared martial law to get the situation under control. There were over 800 people admitted to hospitals. And at the time, there were 36 deaths officially recorded. But a commission in 2001 found estimates up to 300 people um, who died there was over $32 million in today's dollars of property damage to black businesses and homes. And in the end, over 10,000 black people were left homeless. Um, Many survivors left Tulsa. So the idea that there was this prosperous neighborhood of black businesses and and people in Tulsa kind of just went away um, and seems to have been largely forgotten about. It it seems like at the time people didn't really want to like face that this had happened. So they kind of, erased it. Um but you know this is this is just one event but I think what it it just shows us is that there are so many historical examples of how black people have been prevented from building wealth by white people in that like you have this really prosperous community you have one one event and it completely destroys that entire community and the decades of prosperity that they had worked towards. So it's not just that, you know, slavery held them back or, you know, Jim Crow. It's that any time black people and the black community were able to get a foothold in terms of wealth or prosperity, they were literally beaten back by angry white people. So we thought that was something that we should bring to light today um, just because it is the anniversary and it does have a lot of parallels to right now. Yeah. Wow. Did you guys ever learn about that in school? Because I didn't. I don't think so.
3: No, to be honest, I actually, I had heard about it, but it hadn't really come into my, like, brain until, I mean, this may sound really ignorant, but it's yeah, the yeah. truth. It's the uh, Watchmen. Did you guys watch Watchmen? Like, it's the the first scene is, like, the Tulsa Tulsa Race Massacre, and I was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that ha- really happens. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a really upsetting story, and it's wild to think about how you don't learn about it and how covered up it was.
2: Yeah, if history classes because they do focus so much on, on like times of tension. It is it is especially mm-hmm. unbelievable to look back and see how many were just omitted. <laughs> like,
3: yeah, I know it's it's like it's it's like that it's that you know quote that Bill Barr had not too long ago about yeah. like you get to write the history the winners write the history or something that was like chilling. And it's like, well, that's what that's who's that's who's been writing the history. I mean. And it it's not. I'm saying it's a good thing. I'm thinking it's saying it's an awful thing, you know. But it's just like it's it's it's. We're actually kind of doing that this month in terms of like pride is like, you know, talking about stories that you otherwise wouldn't learn about because it's not part of your curriculum. And, and this is one of those instances as well. Uh, we wanted to end on just a, like a update about Brown Taylor. Brian Taylor was killed by police on March 13th in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, they had uh, an a warrant a warrant for Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. Um, the police say that they knocked before entering. Um, however, Walker disputes that claim. He says that they just came in and Walker had a registered gun. He was a licensed gun carrier. And so he thought people were breaking into his house and he shot one of the police officers. Um, and then the police officers just fired and Brianna Taylor was shot multiple times, uh, several times, and she died. And um so now there's a bit of a dispute between you know what the what the police are saying and what the family's saying and because the the prosecution has now dropped the charges against kenneth walker um they charged him with attempted murder of a police officer um that it sort of indicates that the prosecution doesn't think that the police's story is, is is completely accurate um And so the three officers involved have been placed on administrative reassignment. Uh, The FBI is now investigating the shooting. Um, And then the mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, came out with a bunch of changes, including that he'd be naming a new police chief. Um, He A new requirement that body cameras always be worn during the execution of a search warrant because in this instance, there was no body, there's no body camera footage. Um, And that the uh, establishment of a civilian review board for police disciplinary matters. Um, Yeah, so it seems like there will be more to come in this story as well.
2: Yeah. Wow, yeah. and uh, Actually, there was um, two Atlanta police officers were fired because their body cameras were able to show that they had really improperly, they just tased just a couple of college students that were not resisting they just believed that they were armed there's no reason indication why they believed that other than that they were black maybe but um they tased them for an extended period of time and pulled them out of the car and manhandled them and they have both been fired because they were wearing body cams and obviously what they did was clearly unprovoked and cruel and unnecessary
3: yeah i mean it seems like i feel like that should have been the rule before you know about the body cameras like i'm just like it's just so shocking to hear that they don't have that and it's like um it it should just be required for every police officer to have a fucking gopro you know what i mean like you you have the budget for it look at your military equipment
2: yeah like like if you could be on like it's like a thing for like (laughs) cops to do funny tiktoks if you can make tiktoks you can wear a body cam
3: yeah you you know you're you're savvy enough to to turn on a button
0: yeah yeah right Well, we'll continue to keep you updated. Um, Please, we are really open to your feedback if there's any, you know, if you have any thoughts on how we can enhance this podcast given the current situation. Um, And we want to hear from you. Yeah. Send send any feedback to SUP at Betches.com. That's the best way to get in touch with us. All right. As always, thank you for listening. Follow the Betches SUP. Sign up for the newsletter, Betches.co slash SUP sign up. And until the return of democracy... I'm Sammy Fishbine. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this has been the SUP
3: Daily Podcast.
2: The Betches SUP Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The SUP is created by Sammy Fishbine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at betches.com.
0: batches